This episode is brought to you by Matsing. Does your venue need a high capacity, reliable network to provide a better fan experience? Did you know that Matsing's innovative lens antennas provide the highest capacity connectivity in stadiums and arenas globally, with only a few antennas needed to cover entire venues? Contact Matsing at matsing.com to discuss your venue's advanced connectivity needs. This episode is also brought to you by Extinet Systems. Connecting customers quickly, securely, and reliably to networks and solutions is more crucial than ever. Extinet Systems powers the networks that make buildings run with secure 5G and fiber neutral host solutions found in thousands of locations, relied upon by some of the largest sports and entertainment venues in the country. With services that include infrastructure, indoor outdoor mobility, private wireless networks, and enterprise connectivity, Extinet provides businesses with what they need to thrive. Visit extinet.com to learn more. That's E-X-T-E-N-E-T.com. Sports stadiums and large public venues come in all shapes and sizes. Some have domes, some have natural grass fields, some have banked concrete ovals where cars drive fast. While no two stadiums may be perfectly alike, there's one thing that all stadiums today have in common, a reliance on technology. This is the Stadium Tech Report podcast, where we talk to people on both ends of the stadium technology equation, including the stadium technology teams who deploy it and use it, and the vendors and service providers who supply it. I'm Paul Kapuska, editor of the Stadium Tech Report and your host on the Stadium Tech Report podcast. When the Dallas Cowboys opened AT&T Stadium in 2009, they arguably changed the way the world thought about large entertainment venues. In many ways, the building pushed the envelope on what was possible, especially on the stadium technology front. But nothing lasts forever, especially when it comes to wireless networks. In recent years, the stadium's older cellular technology had a hard time keeping up with the incessant demand for more wireless bandwidth. To meet the new reality, the Dallas Cowboys organization didn't settle for a simple upgrade. Instead, they partnered with Extinet Systems to design and build an entirely new cellular network inside the stadium, one that changed the rules and perhaps set a new standard for wireless going forward. Listen in as we talk to Matt Messick, Chief Information Officer for the Dallas Cowboys, and Jeff Alexander, Senior Vice President at Extinet Systems, about how the future of cellular stadium communications was designed and built. First question I had was, you know, how do you know when, you know, something like a DAS is coming to end of life, other than executives from the team calling in saying, hey, I can't make a call at the game. <laughs> um, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, a, that's definitely a, a big player. But, I mean, at the end of the day, with the stadium coming up on 13 years, 12 years, you know, right. um, you know, we had our we had our original infrastructure. If you recall, we we were designing and building the stadium in 2008 and going live in 2009. Well, I mean, you know that that's that's right about when smartphones and iPhones. I mean, that's like that's around the iPhone one time, and and even back then, I don't think anybody had any idea of the demand of data, and so. 
that's the one thing that we did is it was year after year, every new phone, every new device of adding capacity, adding capacity, no matter how much you threw at it, it would get consumed. You know, just flash forward 10, right around 10, 11 years is you hit that wall to where you're at a spectrum, you're out of, you're, there's just nothing else that you can do at that point to meet the demand. And that's where we were. You know, we were, we were bumping up against the technology that we had. It's the operators, the carriers being able to see, you know, see the performance on their side and know that they have a problem, know that they're running out. And then us, it doesn't hurt having AT&T, you know, on the top of your building, their executives in the building, our executives, our support staff, you know, everybody, you just, you, you know, it's time and there, it doesn't come as a surprise. I mean, to your point, I think Twitter didn't even show up until like 2009, Gosh, look what's happened since then, right? I mean, I, I actually, I like to tell a story on myself that I once early on when I started covering this, I think like about the third Super Bowl with Wi-Fi, I said, yeah, I think data is going to go, data use is going to go down <laughs> this year. Yeah, we've, we've hit the saturation point and people aren't going to want to use any more data. And I mean, I can't imagine being more wrong than that. And every year, right? I mean, it, you must just see every year there's something new. There's a you know TikTok. There's a video app. People streaming. I, I still remember you know stadium saying, "Yeah, we're going to stop people from streaming live video. <laughs> we're going to yeah. go around the stands and say, hey, you can't do that.'" Um, that was Periscope back then. That's when Periscope, Periscope first came out. You right? know, and that's what. And that, I remember I, like it was yesterday. You know, and I was, you know. And and where I sit, yes, I I mean I absolutely care about the DAS and the and that the cellular piece, but you know more heavily involved in the Wi-Fi side, and so because that's something that we truly manage, you know the performance right. of it's inside. And so yes, whenever whenever that live streaming came out and the Periscope, it was just started consuming all of our Wi-Fi capacity. Um, that was a huge deal. Right. So this is never going to stop. I think you know it'd be much safer to just assume that there's always going to be a need for more bandwidth, more, more communications. If you can just take me back a little bit, you know, to some of the historic things that were put in at the start, is it fair to say that those architectures and even some of those business models are no longer valid in this kind of world? I, I mean, it just seems like you know, the economics of owning your own system, which I believe AT&T Stadium has always had, is something that makes made sense then and is probably going to make more sense going forward. Yeah, I agree. I am a, a full believer in, and just, and I look, I know I'm speaking from a single position because, you know, we've been doing it for quite a while. Um, I love the control. You know, I've heard lots of, lots of horror stories out there of somebody coming in and, and, and one of the other carriers owning the DAS, and then you're, you're, you're locked into a 20, 30 year agreement and you're at their mercy of when an upgrade or when, you know, when the technology kind of hits a wall. Being in a position to where you own it, and I, I think it also helps with the relationships between all of the all of the carriers at the same time, right? And if you approach that the right way, to where we're all on the same team and we all want the same thing, right? We, right. our number one goal is to provide a way for all of our fans to communicate with the outside world, to tell the story that of what's happening inside of our building, the game, concert, whatever, monster truck, supercross, no matter what it is, it's all about sharing those experiences because that's what that's what our fans, our customers, that's what they want. And so being able to 
have that more control and being able to have better conversations, better communications with the the operators, it, it goes a long ways. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like everything else. Technology changes. It changes so fast with where we were, you know, with our older infrastructure, lots of analog, tons of coax. We're, we're in such a such a better place right now. Uh, I feel like we've definitely taken a step 10, 20 years into the future. That's great. Take me back a little bit, because I know we talked about this when I, I wrote the story about the, the new deployment, but take me back a little bit about what the process was like. So, it's, you know, the decision is made. We're going to we're going to go in a new direction. And from what I heard, you know, you guys left no stone unturned and no vendor or no person untalked to. <laughs> so you know, what, what was that process like? I mean, I mean, was it an education? Was there something you knew you were looking for or needed or you know, how did that roll out? It's kind of funny to say that. And I know we've talked about this before, but whenever we first started talking, and this was a several year process, as you can imagine, and with anything that you do, especially in the technology, because I'm like right now, I'm, I'm working on a complete network refresh of all of our IT infrastructure at the stadium. And the architecture is still similar to the was when the day we opened. And so we're refreshing all of the infrastructure and we're looking at a complete overhaul of the architecture. Well, that's basically the exact same thing we did with the DAS is we started looking at everything that was being done at that point. And that when we very first started this, that was when the trend at that point was move DAS to under seat. Everybody was moving DAS to under seat. We were familiar with that from the Wi-Fi perspective. And we always know that the struggles that the under seat provides for um, RF and the RF environment of like sitting on top of all the access points and then your your bowl's empty or it's it's a quarter full and you know you're having all these different issues so we, we know that it can work also but we know it's a different it's a different world and so as we started down that path of like hey we're we're going under seat with our DAS we started hearing about other stadiums that were having issues with it right. we know that it can be done but we also know that it was that it uh, created some other issues that you had to overcome. And so we completely stopped and kind of hit a reset button. And I mean, we were to, to the point where we had designs, everything was drawn up. Wow. Um, we probably would have got it done a year, a year earlier. But whenever we, we took a complete step back, started looking at current technology. And I know we'll, we'll get into more of the specific infrastructure later, but once the you know, the Matsings came out and, and we started seeing what was truly available and what would work the best. Mm-hmm. And we started doing our own tests. And um, like I said, we, we did a complete 180 on our design and it took us a little bit longer, but we know we got the end result we got. It was exactly where we wanted to be. We're at a place that we're, we built something that is operating at oh, maybe a third of what its potential could be. And it's more than enough to serve what we what the demand is right now. And we can easily I say easily, easily and digitally, you know, expand with no real cost, cost to us, cost to the operators, a very simple um, expansion to add more zones, add more sectors, add just add more capacity. And um, that's that's a place we've never been, period. And that's it's very exciting. But 
to your point, is lots and lots of work, putting the brakes on it when you really feel like you're going to move forward and and being willing to stop it and say, we have to get this right because this has to be here for the next 10 plus years. Right. You don't get multiple chances at a, something this size. What about the building? I mean, I mean you know, it's an easy transfer. Say this could work at any place, but it, it strikes me that, you know, AT&T Stadium is beyond unique in terms of its size and its scope. And, and frankly, the, you know, the, the level of uh, events that you, that you guys have, I've just been looking at some uh, photos that a friend of mine sent me from WrestleMania. Right. And it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah this is just not a concert. So I mean, you guys put on productions. So what, and, and the size of the building is, is, you know, also something stunning. And I'm guessing the uniqueness of the structure presents unique challenges from, you know, from an RF and from a coverage standpoint. Is that correct? Yeah, it does. And then also if you're in and around the building, it's, you know, our, uh, the aesthetics, um, right. Aesthetics is, is an a- absolutely critical to our, our ownership, you know, and that's not something that we can take lightly. So, uh, a lot, I mean, if you go back, I mean, like we could talk for hours of the evolution of, of what we've added over the years of adding capacity and how we've been able to hide antennas. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we've created full, like these fiberglass shrouds that wrap all the way around. I remember you know, those. different I remember levels. Those. And, um, you know, that was all just to hide a tremendous amount of infrastructure to where you had no idea that there was fiber, copper, coax, large DAS antennas all over, you know, and, and you, you had no idea that that's that plays a huge part. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, the building is is uh, is unique. And I, I mean, I'd say it's unique, but now you're starting to see all of the newer. I mean, like so far is a, a, an incredible venue and yes. they're, they're going to be. They're going to, it's going to be exactly the same. They're going to be running the same major events and we're competing for events. I mean, like that's just, that's the name of the game. But what I love about the place that we're at right now is, is like the, the, the WrestleMania, you know, we had boxing the next week, <laughs> we had boxing the week after WrestleMania and <laughs> WrestleMania took us a couple of weeks to get set up. It, it was a tremendous amount of work. I mean, we, we deployed a hundred and it was like 180, uh, Wi-Fi access points on the field, Um, but for the first time ever with, for a major, major event on a field like that, with this new DAS, we were able to serve high dense, I mean, high dense throughput, all of our fans, everybody that was on the field that had great connectivity for the first time from a, from a DAS standpoint, you know, leveraging all this new technology. So that was a, it was I can't even tell you, you know, how, how exciting that was. And, and now with, with the whole, you know, it's, it's been around for a while, but we've just started really pushing the in seat, in seat order, in seat delivery. Right. And, and that was really critical to, to, um, WWE. They, they, they wanted that experience. They were requesting that experience for everybody on the field, you know? And so, uh, it was just incredible. And for us to just really do all of that, it's kind of weird to be having first times in a building this age, yes. right? Yes. Uh, being able to do something like that and do it easy um, and, and successful. You know, it was, um, you know, we were, we were just really, really blown away uh, to serve. I mean, for that, 
that whole in-seat ordering experience is, is just, it's all about the communication and putting that communication in all of your, all of your fans' hands, you know, and that's bottom line because if it's not there, it's not going to work. When we come back, we discuss what it takes to design a technology infrastructure that lets a stadium handle all kinds of events, especially the biggest ones out there. More with Matt Messick and Jeff Alexander after the break. This episode is brought to you by Matsing. Does your venue need a high capacity, reliable network to provide a better fan experience? Did you know that Matsing's innovative lens antennas provide the highest capacity connectivity in stadiums and arenas globally, with only a few antennas needed to cover entire venues. Contact Matsing at matsing.com to discuss your venue's advanced connectivity needs. If you like our show, why not take a minute now to subscribe to make sure you don't miss another great episode. Simply go wherever you look for fine podcasts and search for Stadium Tech Report. We can be found on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on SoundCloud. You should also visit our website at stadiumtechreport.com and sign up for our email newsletter, where you will find links to all our past podcast episodes, as well as all the breaking news, analysis, and commentary that will tell you all you ever need to know about the Stadium Technology Marketplace. No, and, and I could see, especially for an event like that, if you're sitting on the floor, the the structure of the stadium was never built for pe- for there to be in, ingress and egress off the floor, correct? So much better to keep them there, let them order food and bring it. But um, to your point, if you don't have the connectivity, you can't even think about doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's um, you know, that's something that I was actually talking to some of our, our ownership uh, this week about when you're, and it was more around just technology and, and the, uh, the opportunity, I call it an opportunity, but being able from the, uh, from what we did with the DAS and now what I'm faced with, with the whole network architecture, just all the IT infrastructure and, and we're rebuilding our Wi-Fi right now at the same time. So it's, it's an opportunity to take everything that we've learned since we've opened the building. And it, look, it's one thing to just open the building for a football game mm-hmm. that's that's i mean like i don't want to that's easy right i mean that's you've done that's, it a hundred thousand you've done yeah. a thousand times whatever it's but but designing the stadium from a technology standpoint to meet any need of any event and 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 what's exciting for me is like going back to when we had the super bowl in 2010 11 season you know and and knowing how much technology goes into putting on a super bowl yeah. you know I, like there's only a handful of people that actually truly understand that and, and knowing that. And, and now a lot of these major events, as you say, just like the WWE, um, all these major events that are coming, they're talking about technology. They're saying, what are your capabilities? What can you provide? You know, and that's not like something that's been uh, top of mind that hasn't been a, a, a selling point of a venue winning um, these major, major events. And so I'm, you know, I, I'm proud of that. And I'm, and I'm also excited that I've got a, you know, a really good team that, 
and a lot of my team and, you know, and Jeff just popping on here, I call Jeff, Jeff is, Jeff is part of the team hundred percent. And, you know, yes, he's handling the DAS side, but a lot of my team that I have on my staff has been here since we opened the building. Jeff has been here since we've opened the building. Um, so we, uh, we're leveraging all of that, ex- that experience to redesign, you know, redesign our network side, just like we did with the, uh, with the DAS. I mean, we used every bit of that experience, every event that we have had in that building to know how it needed to function. Isn't That's that great. correct? So Jeff, Jeff Alexander just joined us. Hey, Matt, it's been a while. Yes, sir. It has. We were just talking about um, the evolution, the whole evolution of, of the networks and, we, we did talk about how you know when a DAS needs replacing. <laughs> it's not just when the CEO calls you up and says, I can't call anybody. <laughs> no. But no. what was neat was we were, um, the, the next question I had was, we talked a little bit about what the process was of you know figuring out what you guys needed from a technology standpoint for the DAS of the future. You know, the DAS that needs to last 10, 20 years. And, you know, Matt was talking about meeting with all different kinds of people and then changing plans, you know, from a 180 degree perspective, you know, maybe from a technology perspective, let us know, you know, what, it, what were you seeing? Were there, were there, I mean, it's, it's a time of, of great change, right? There's 5G coming in, there's, you know, 4G is maybe, you know, I don't know if it's ever going to end, but, you know, it's certainly a, a, a different point in its life cycle. You know, what, what were some of the thought processes and things you had to go through or look at, from a technology standpoint, because, you know, frankly, there's, this isn't like, this is like any other dads, right? I mean, this is a, a much different beast, if you will. Well, Paul, that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty good question. You know, I'll, I'll try to start from the beginning is, so they say, how do you know when a DAS needs to be replaced? Well, there, there's some clear signs and then there's some signs, uh, you know, clear signs being manufactured discontinued, doesn't support the technologies that you currently need, things like that. That really wasn't the case here with AT&T Stadium. The initiatives that the Cowboys undertake, and from the very beginning, one of the very first things we learned when we became uh, partners with with Matt and the team there at AT&T Stadium was, you know, technology needs to lead the way. It can't be an afterthought. It's got to enhance, you know, the experience, so to speak, without encumbering the operations, without encumbering, you know, fans to do the things that they want to do. So, you know, probably a good two and a half to three years prior to us beginning construction on the new network at AT&T Stadium, we started talking to the to the folks over at AT&T, the folks at, at Verizon and T-Mobile, all at the same time, to get their input on, you know, where is the technology headed? What are they looking at? Uh, and, and, you know, how can we leverage what they're doing to increase the experience at AT&T Stadium? You know, Matt and his team were critical in, in these conversations because it, it, it demonstrated a lot of things, frankly. It demonstrated that we were working as one team, that uh, the ownership was fully engaged in this, in this train of thought and how we were going to accomplish things. They were fully vested and invested in what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. So, you know, that all mattered. And when we started talking to, to AT&T first, we went through no less than five different design philosophies and wow. uh, rollout plans before we settled on the one that we got. 
And, I, and I'll tell you, I think we had to go through that just to, to, to get to where we are. You know, it's the, the network that's there today. It's remarkable. It takes advantage of the latest technology uh, that's available. It's a full, fully digital system. Uh, it's got very unique antenna arrangements that provide never before seen granularity in the RF layer that frankly lets us do things that we just, that, that you just can't do with traditional uh, deployments. It's, it's truly one of a kind. And, uh, you know, we're very proud to be a part of it. And, and we're glad that it happened at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. Well, Jeff, just to hit on something, because Paul and I were talking about this a little bit ago, and, and you brought up a couple, of, a couple of points that I, you know, that I didn't. One of the most important things is, is having those communications with all of the, the carriers, the operators, like having them at the table before you even you do anything. I mean, even before you even draw up that first design. That's why we were able to get this done, you know, and that's and and then your other point, Jeff, of going through multiple, multiple design iterations uh, before we settled on the final one. I mean, look, how many times did we just go straight backwards and we would have loved to knock this thing out in in a year and a half to two years. But that's that you're right. We had to go through all of that to to get to where we are right now. But the, uh, to me, the most important thing that you said is is being partners with the carriers. I mean, they need to be right step in step with you the entire way, because if that's, it, it will, it will never happen or it'll be very, very difficult and painful. And we have tight windows to get these types of things done. You know, if one thing goes wrong, then you're pushing it off another year and another year, you know, and then, then during that time, you're providing a bad experience to all of your fans. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was critical. Like, well, you know, we were fortunate to have uh, an extended downtime due to world events. You know, I say we were fortunate. We were fortunate from a scheduled perspective only. Yes. Uh, because yeah. during that time, we had other significant influences to the to the construction and, and the operation of the network and, and the facility, quite frankly. The partnership, uh, you, you have to have the partnership. Owners of the venue, the ownership of the venue has to be you know, they are a critical portion or part of that of that partnership. Without Matt and his team's help, we would have never gotten this done. It, it couldn't have been done. The forward thinking of of technology first and and making it a natural play mattered. And, and Jeff, too, like and, and I know we worked really closely with all the carriers and, and um, you know, AT&T played an absolute critical role. I mean, what we were proposing, this current design was so new, hasn't hadn't really like there was there was a lot of there was a lot of kind of hands off of like, no, you know, like people were nervous. Right. I mean, there there were so many things that we were asking people, asking the carriers to do something that had never been done before. And 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 I I definitely believe AT&T being the first one to the table to lean in and to embrace it 100%. Jeff, can you can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know that, like, look, we were all in this together, but you were at the table every day. <laughs> yeah, we were. You know, AT&T's leadership and, and, you know, what they needed and how they needed it to, to function was critical in this. And, and they did very much lead 
a lot of the design parameters and they gave us invaluable feedback, you know, with statistics off the old system and and things like that 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 provided us information that we, we normally don't see. That's, that's uh, the it, point, is we don't normally right. we don't normally have yeah. access to that level of data. No, and and the partnership you know that they brought uh, allowed us to you know allowed us to kind of see behind the curtain, so to speak. Uh, so we knew what we were dealing with, and and it it just enabled us to do things that that we normally wouldn't do. Then the big question for me after all this is, how was the proof of the pudding? I, I mean, from what I understand, all the designs, everything worked as thought as better. What was the performance like for this past year? Which really. You know, I think this last fall, we can all say it was really like the first full year back, right? Paul, that's a, that's another good question. You know, all, all this planning and, and all the work and everything. Well, well, what's the outcome? Right. And, and the outcome is every event uh, and, and we're getting we're still getting feedback from AT&T on, on a very regular basis. I, I can't really speak about T-Mobile or, or Verizon at this point, but I can I can share some some high level stuff with about AT&T. AT&T is reporting to us that they are seeing 10 times the traffic that they saw before we made the change. That's amazing. 10 times. So this is over the entire, you know, season of, of events. Basically, we increased the network by three times. And because of that, they're seeing 10 times the amount of traffic that they saw before. And it's meeting all of their internal metrics for quality and sustainability and things like that. Uh, call sustainability. It's working as good as we could have hoped. Yeah, I think, Matt, we talked about that a little bit, right? About the experience from just sort of the, you know, the, the fan experience, the people commenting on things from WrestleMania. Uh, I'm guessing the lack of complaints is also a, a vote in the favor of of things. If people aren't complaining about it, things must be great. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that was Jeff and I was, I was just talking to Paul about, especially for the WrestleMania and we were doing all of the, you know, the mobile ordering, the field was, a, was a scary one because that's, that's an area where we've never had uh, high dense coverage before. I mean, correct. Yeah, if you walk in when the building's empty, great, easy, but, um, you know, there's just, people in there and the things change. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, I mean, at the end of the day, especially the old, the the older architecture, older technology of being able to design around a high, you know, high dense on the field was just it just wasn't there. I mean, you could you could get away with it, and we've we've done lots of interesting things over the years for for concerts and things, but um, you know, the NFL draft, we we did a lot of modifications, but to just roll out with what you have and it worked perfect. And Paul, to your point, we wouldn't have been as successful as we were with the in-seat delivery if it hadn't. You know, we would we would have got complaints big time. So Paul, the 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 specifics here, the system that's that's now designed and deployed at ATT Stadium uh, allows for very, very high capacity, you know, delivery on the field when it's necessary. Now look, we've had many events on the field at AT&T Stadium. There's been NCAA activity, there's been uh, boxing matches, there's always there's been a lot of activity on the field over the years that the stadium's been been around. Every time prior to this WrestleMania event, we've had to go out and augment the coverage, add things to the to the floor and 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 do a customized 
type arrangement. With the network that's there today, it's not necessary because it's so dense that it does not cause a negative impact. The field coverage does not negatively impact, you know, the stands or the, the mm-hmm. seats like it once did. So the, the new technology is is just amazing when it comes to that. It makes preparing for one of these very large events that's going to you know use the field from a wireless perspective. It makes it very easy. Now, everything else, Matt can attest, (laughs) maybe not so, but uh, wireless is now off the list of things we have to worry about. When we come back, we get very detailed information about what you can do to future-proof a network during a time of great technology change. More with Matt Messick and Jeff Alexander after the break. This episode is also brought to you by Extinet Systems. Connecting customers quickly, securely, and reliably to networks and solutions is more crucial than ever. Extinet Systems powers the networks that make buildings run with secure 5G and fiber neutral host solutions found in thousands of locations, relied upon by some of the largest sports and entertainment venues in the country. With services that include infrastructure, indoor-outdoor mobility, private wireless networks, and enterprise connectivity, Extinet provides businesses with what they need to thrive. Visit extinet.com to learn more. That's E-X-T-E-N-E-T.com. Well, that's great. Um, you know, Matt and I were talking a little bit uh, beforehand about one of the other maybe great things about this deployment is that in some sense, it's very future-proofed, and I'd like to dig into that a little bit because, you know, from where I sit, it, it seems industry-wide and and venues-wide, you know, it's it's kind of a time of of great flux in in terms of what do you do for the future because there there isn't a straightforward choice like everybody's going to four G LTE, right? You have right. you have um, you know five G and millimeter wave where the spectrum's kind of all over the place. You have mid-band where now maybe, you know, you can start to see some shared network um, infrastructure available. Um, You have other questions like CBRS. It it sounds like with the way things were built up, both from an antenna side and an infrastructure side, that you guys have options as to what you can do going forward. And and Jeff, before you answer that, I'd like to lead that question too, since you're going to answer it. Um, and, and, And really kind of uh, compound on the the, the Comscope SIPRI interface and what that has meant for the infrastructure, the square footage in the buildings and the ability to expand and the ability for the for the carriers to expand and and from a future proofing standpoint. Because that's that's an ab- that's an absolutely critical point with what we've done right now. Sure. Paul the the you know when you talk about future proof there are a lot of definitions of future proof and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I guess in any network deployment today, you can claim future proof. So I'll, I'll define future proof as enough fiber and power to do anything that you can possibly think of <laughs> in the next five years, because, because the reality is after five years, we don't know, nope. but, but, I'll tell you, we've, we have delivered enough fiber and power 
uh, in the areas uh, that are necessary for the wireless system that will last us at least the next five years. We, we believe it's longer than that, but I'm, I'm going to commit to Matt for five. We I, already wrote down, I wrote down 10 already, so. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> to, to backtrack slightly, when the initial system was put into the stadium, we had a backbone of 12 to 24 strands of fiber to each IDF room. And that was shared among everything Matt had to do from wireless to desktops to signage to anything and everything. When we finished this project for just the wireless, now just the wireless, there's no less than 48 strands of fiber to every uh, IDF room. Additionally, we ran over 1,700 strands of fiber to four corners of the catwalk up in the upper levels of the stadium to accommodate remotes and you know, small cell type devices for 5G and things like that. There's also significant digital power deployment in the building that helps power all of these remotes and, and things like that. Let's see, there are uh, well over 2,000 wireless remotes. That doesn't include Wi-Fi. That's just on the cellular side in the building. Wow. There's uh, well over 30 miles of fiber that have been installed. And that's not that's not strands plus strands. That's linear feet. 30 miles of fiber was put into, were put into the building for this new upgrade. There's a significant amount. The system today supports mid-band spectrum. There is an option for Low band spectrum, meaning six, seven, and eight hundred megahertz. Mm-hmm. There's uh, options for C band and also CBRS. The infrastructure can support all of that, no problem. We've taken the DAS from an RF input, in, well, and I'll back up a little bit on that. Sure. There are two types of inputs to DASs today that are common there's a digital input, SIPRI, and then there's an RF input. The old system at ATT Stadium was an RF input system, meaning the carriers all had to have physical base stations in the building to serve the system. Right. Well, when you start talking about 700 zones and an initial deployment of over 330 sectors, trying to find room for 100 plus base stations per carrier is a daunting task. So it's early four on. Does four by four MIMO uh, up oh, those we'll, numbers? We'll, per- yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Okay. So if you think about in the bowl, if it's only two by two, then we'd need at least 300 base stations in the building. Once you add the four by four MIMO, which is what the bowl is, that doubles the number of base stations. Think of we need at least 175 to 200 per carrier. Now we need 600 base stations placed in the building. So put that in perspective. You're driving down the highway, you see a tower. That's one base station. Yeah. I need 600 of them. Matt, I know I know this building is big. It's huge, but it's not that big. So, as <laughs> I say, couldn't you just take away some of the luxury suites? I mean, <laughs> nope. you know, well, it would take away all of the luxury suites, and I don't <laughs> think Matt would approve of that. <laughs> so, we knew early on that we had to have a digital interface. And the digital interface uh, changes it where 
there's no RF layer between the carrier and the DAS. And today, all three carriers are using a digital interface to interface with a new network. Um, what that means to Matt is in the old system, we needed about 15,000 square feet of head-end space. And we're, we've condensed that down to about 2,000 square feet. That's amazing. So it's a significant savings on all fronts. It saves power, air conditioning, and floor space. So we're not generating a lot of heat in, in the old style base stations to then attenuate it down to shove it into a DAS interface. We, we've eliminated every bit of that. Yeah. So now it's the carrier's mucks, a couple of uh, cards, and off we go. Well, it's a saving to the carriers also too, right? Yeah. It, it, saves, it, it saves everything. Maintenance is easier. Footprint. I mean, AT&T's deployment in AT&T Stadium is five computer racks. That's all. Wow. Prior to this network, even on the old network, when there were only 60 sectors, they needed two rooms. They're in five cabinets now with 330 plus sectors. That's significant. Yeah. I just know from my limited experience, but from my stadium visits, you know, it just seemed like the DAS rooms had to keep getting bigger and bigger and, you know, people finding space and like now to go that far in the other direction. I mean, that to me, that may be the most significant thing you guys stumbled upon or did not stumbled upon, but, you know, designed in that really sets you up for the future. Makes a big difference. You know, just talking to both of you in, in the past and in now, I get the feeling of a team, of a team effort, you know, that this really was not just, we're telling you what to do. We're telling you what we want. You know, here's the proposal. Here's the design. Now that you're sort of on the other side of this project, I, I just want to hear how, how good does it feel to have picked the right partner to have been able to do, do the right things and how satisfying it is to have an end result like the one that is there. Well, I know from my standpoint, it's just like taking the, the biggest exhale. There's so much weight off of your shoulder. I mean, and even like starting out to your very beginning question of how do you know when a DAS is reaching? I mean, like it's, you're nervous every game day. Your hair starts turning gray, you know, uh, it starts getting stressful. And so now to just the confidence, the confidence to be able to to walk into a major event, the confidence to speak to a uh a major event that you're trying to sell your building to, just know that we can deliver and, and not even uh, think twice. The two years leading up to this project, I was speaking to our ownership. A lot of it just doesn't translate, you know, and they're, they would just ask a lot of questions and it's like, what are we going to get? And I just like, I guess at the end of the day, you just, your phone's going to work and that's the last thing you're going to think about. It's just going to work and you're never going to think about it again. And that's really what we've delivered, right? I mean, you just, you grab your phone, you pull it out of your pocket, and whatever you want to do, it's going to do it. And uh, I guess, like you said, if, if, I, if I'm not, I get to talk about it and, and get excited, and I get really kind of really geeked out on this kind of stuff of being able to deliver this to the fans. Um, but I'm not talking about it much anywhere else, right, uh, because it's not a problem. That's great. And Jeff, what's, you know, what's it like to work with? I, I think I heard some of that before, but you know, having an ownership, having people who are not just saying we want this, but completely involved. That must you know, also be a, a, a sort of fun thing to do. 
Yeah, Paul. So, you know, at Exonet, we we deal with a lot of venues all over the country. Football, baseball, basketball, just hockey, everything. Far and away, I think the Cowboys organization has been more engaged in our activities than any other. And I, and I recognize that's a big statement, but it's the truth. They go the extra mile. They ask all the right questions. You know, they support us at every turn. And you just can't ask for more than that. They, they gave us the runway to do what we needed to do. They were a dream to work with. And, and it continues. I mean, look, this, this relationship didn't happen overnight. Um, we've been, you know, part of each other's lives, you know, for better or worse, for almost 20 years now. It's a great relationship. Uh, we value it extremely. We're thankful for the opportunities that the Cowboys have given us. It's kind of like Matt said, you know, on a, on a game day or an event day, we don't worry too much about the network anymore like we used to. Uh, I mean, we still have the team here to support, you know, if something were to go bad. But this last year has proven that, you know, the hard work paid off. And to be honest with you, I can't think of anything we would do differently. We, you know, we learned a lot, sure, but I don't know that we would do anything differently than we've done. It's, it's tur- everything happened for a reason. It's all turned out much, much better than my expectations were. And I'm glad, you know, the, the, the one thing I can do is, is deliver a good network for Matt where he doesn't have to worry about me. If Matt forgets my phone number, that's a good thing. <laughs> um, so, we'd have to stop. We'd have to stop building new buildings, Jeff. So um, that's yeah, I'm afraid so. Or upgrading the ones we've got. And I would say too, like, look, just on my to just wrap it up is it's these types of things, these major, major undertakings, and and I and Jeff did allude to it, but it's it's the partnerships, it's the relationships, Cowboys. We we really, really value partnerships, and you know, with AT and T, Comscope, Xnet, so many other other vendors that were involved in pulling this thing off. I mean, you don't, you wouldn't have any idea how much time we spent with our structural engineers on adding hundreds of thousands of pounds of weight to our arches, right? We've already hanging a scoreboard up there and we're going to them with, with a lot of weight. Um, So that was, it's just, it's, it's pulling off these major things and, and, and working hand in hand. And uh, that what, that's what actually makes it feel even better is is you have a good team working to a common goal and um it that i mean i can't think of a time where there was people wanting to fight and argue i mean it was just a you know it was a good good process working with good people but it sounds like it you know it turned out really to be something you know and it's it's interesting to hear about and and talk about something that really moves the needle forward not just for the stadium, which has always sort of been there at the forefront, but you know for the industry at large. So great stuff. Thanks once again to our guests today. Really appreciate you guys coming on and spending some time with us on the Stadium Tech Report podcast. Thanks, Paul. See you, Matt. Thank you. We'd like to take a quick moment to thank the sponsors of Stadium Tech Report, whose support enables us to continue our efforts to bring our objective, unbiased, and unpaid for content to the stadium technology marketplace. Our supporters include our co-producing sponsor, AmpThink, our survey sponsor, Verizon, our podcast title sponsors, X2Net Systems and Matsing, and our publication sponsors, which include American Tower, Cox Business Hospitality Network, and Boingo. 
The Stadium Tech Report podcast is brought to you by Stadium Tech Report, the go-to publication for stadium technology news, analysis, and commentary. Technical production for the Stadium Tech Report podcast is led by creative director Dan Grimsley and digital designer Jackie Wen. Web and design work is by David Farris and John David. All contents of the Stadium Tech Report podcast are copyright Stadium Tech Report. Audio, video, and print content may not be reused without the express written consent of Stadium Tech Report.